1: Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
0: Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
3: Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Ben Boland. And I'm going to start today with, in kind of an unusual way. I usually don't do this, but I'm going to uh, uh, read a comment from one of our listeners. Um, his name is Glenn Beck, and uh, he wrote into to uh, Car Stuff. And you remember Glenn from, uh, I think it was the Road Rally show that we did?
4: Oh, yeah, Glenn's awesome. Glenn we, was on, uh, We uh, 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 talked to Glenn uh, back and forth pretty pretty frequently.
3: Yeah, I would say often, and uh, Team Limer, I think is the name of it. Yeah. This uh, Lime Green Colored Mustang. Uh-huh. We wrote in something kind of funny about our... Um, latest podcast or one of our most recent podcasts i guess about horsepower versus torque and he said (laughs) this is kind of funny it's just a a quick facebook comment Uh but he said i really enjoyed your horsepower torque discussion here's a cheeky synopsis that i've been i've seen several places without attribution and here it is he says understeer is when you hit the hit the wall with the front end of the car and oversteer is when you hit the the wall with the back end of the car however horsepower is how fast you hit the wall and torque is how far you take the wall with you I
4: thought that was great. Look, Scott, I have the same thing printed out because oh, no I was going to do it as listener mail no too. No kidding.
3: That's, uh, sorry. I didn't mean to, uh, oh, to, no, no, to, no. to grab that from you, but I thought that was a pretty clever way to say it. And I've never seen that, uh, that little quote anywhere.
4: I haven't either. And it's pretty clever. So definitely. How, so
3: horsepower is how fast you hit the wall. Torque is how far you take the wall with you. We, we completely neglected that angle in our yeah. horsepower versus torque discussion
4: the science checks out guys it's not just funny so uh big thanks to you uh mr beck we hope you are doing well there with the team you know
3: what i know he is because we talk to him often or at least we hear from we hear from him often Mm -hmm. we don't always get to respond but we try to
4: yeah and we are going to talk about something uh speaking of exciting times right like uh we had this joke about hitting walls and car accidents and Things like that. Yeah. This makes me think of 80s movies, today's topic.
3: Definitely 80s movies. And you know what? The funny thing is it carries over even through today. It's something that has just been around um, in popular culture for a long time. And there's some odd twists in this one, I'll tell you. Because, you know, we're talking about commandeering cars. You know, can a police officer walk up, show a badge... Tell you to get out of the car mm. and they jump in and take off after the criminal
4: can they really do that is it is it
3: possible I mean is it is it real have they ever done it I mean does it does it ever really happen Ooh. and uh, and we'll find out you know along the way if it does or doesn't but uh, there's some pretty interesting stuff about this one so so hang in there you know it's not just the uh, the movie trope I guess you know that um, right. you know it does happen but so let's 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 get dig into this one how about
4: that? okay yeah so we'll start off by saying something that was surprising uh when i first started looking into this topic i thought it would be uh it would turn out to be utter nonsense you know utter mm-hmm. bunk mm-hmm. Cause if you think about it it's it's a very strange thing to do because it's it's essentially it would be like carjacking but with a legal uh with with a legal standing you know i guess that's probably a good way to put it and, carjacking i mean that's essentially what it would be they're kidnapping your car that's carjacking i suppose so but the answer about whether or not this is legal depends on where you go and who you talk to. I We deal – Scott, you and I deal with a lot of stuff that changes on a state-by-state basis, mm-hmm. um, everything from licensing requirements to uh, vehicle safety requirements and stuff like that. But I did not expect – Police commandeering to be one of those state by state things.
3: Hey, exactly, and that's what it is. It turns out that it, it depends on local laws and or state laws rather. And I don't know. Wait, we didn't. I didn't even dig into the international angle in this one because already here in the in the states it was already tricky enough.
4: Yeah, this one's complicated
3: enough. Man. It, it really is, and you'll find out that state to state is different on this thing. But um, I mean, just I, I guess the most basic. Act of commandeering, I guess, is when you, when you appropriate a vehicle, like either the military, or the police are able to take possession of a vehicle or property yeah. of a member of the public. And, and what that does is that I think it's a, in some cases, they say that it's a violation of your, uh, was it Fourth Amendment rights? Is that right?
4: Right. Yeah. But the, uh, there's another thing we have to hit here. When we say vehicle, we don't just mean cars. This means that in states where this kind of stuff flies, it's possible to, Uh, it's possible to commandeer a plane even, or a boat and, uh, ATV,
3: you know, ATV or
4: a, um, or bicycle. Yeah. And, and also it doesn't just have to be a vehicle. It can be property as well. So for instance, um, you have a firearm and a police officer requires it or something like that. Hmm, okay. I didn't even think of this whole angle of it. I, I was thinking strictly of,
3: strictly of vehicles and yeah. uh, and the whole Fourth Amendment thing. I mean, that's the, uh, the amendment that protects you against search and seizure without due process. But right. the, the idea is that you know, police are not the due process part of that whole thing. That supposedly is handled by the court. So you know there's no time for that to happen when when there's a, an actual crime going down right is there time is there time for them to really you know make a judicious uh you know uh,
4: uh i don't know judicious informed decision yeah
3: decision i guess on under what as to whether it's it's uh their legal right to take that vehicle at that time is that the right vehicle for them to take and you know why did they do it i mean is it is did the means justify wait did I get that backwards
4: oh you're getting there. Uh, Do the ends justify the means? That's it.
3: Ends justify the means. Ben, I'm finding myself struggling for words here. Well,
4: don't worry, because we're talking about a very unusual and strange situation. One thing that we can say, that we can myth bust here, is that these acts of commandeering are exceedingly rare in the modern day Mm -hmm. and never would happen as often as you see in a, in a crime uh, movie, you know.
3: Ah, uh, you know what? And, and just how rare they are, I'll tell you. The the uh, the places that I went to to find information about this, and I went to uh, you know like the Straight Dope, and I went to Snopes, and I went to places like that. That you know, a lot of people collaborate and say, you know, they've got the answer to this, or even I mean, some of the online. Question type, type, uh, type websites that say, yeah. you know, is it, is it possible for this to happen? If so, can I be compensated? Things like that. There were a lot of questions, and in fact, I want to talk about compensation in just a minute. Yeah, but, me too. Um, the examples that I've got here, and one, one of from Snopes, and just to give you an, an idea of how rare this is, uh, the person that they talked to, you know, the mm-hmm. uh, the officer that they talked to, I think his name is uh, Dennis Zine, who is a director of the Los Angeles Police Department, or rather, the Los Angeles Police Protective League. And formerly a street cop, so I guess he was in the LAPD. Yeah. 26 years. 26 years he's been on, on the, uh, on the scene. Three times has he ever seen this happen. And, and he's actually done this three times. And that is a matter of fact, that's what they say is, is three times more than most cops have ever seen this happen. Now, in his case, he actually commandeered a, a, a private delivery truck, a city trash truck, and a bicycle. Uh, to chase a fleeing, uh, what was it, forgery suspect? I think is what he said. Yeah. Now, now that's that's actually three times in twenty six years. That's a rarity because a lot of the, these officers that you read
4: in other articles, like we'll I don't say to, that they haven't seen it in their entire career. Yeah. Or it's never happened in the history of their jurisdiction, even. Yeah. So,
3: like, I mean, going back through the the you know the the history of the whole the, the whole police force in that city, wherever it is. Now, this is from the Los Angeles Times. Um. So, you know, same city, but different police officer. Um. Uh, they interviewed somebody from. Uh, I'm sorry. They interviewed somebody from Washington D.C. Oh, okay. Looking through my notes. Uh huh. Uh, sixteen years. This guy's with the FBI. Ben. You know, right in in the heart of uh, you know Washington D.C. Yeah. In the FBI has never heard of anybody doing that in, in the whole time that he's been there in 16 years and doesn't know of anybody locally that this has ever happened to. There's also a Sergeant Lee Sands, uh, who was a spokesperson for the LAPD in 23 years again, uh, same as, uh, well, I guess it's 23 years versus 26, but uh, says it's never happened. Um, there's one good example, though. In Los Angeles. And this is kind of a okay. uh, like a, an oddity, I guess. All right, do lay it on me. Do you remember in nineteen ninety seven there was that North Hollywood bank robbery that yeah. was televised? Yeah. And there were cameras all over the place. There was uh there was helicopter footage. These guys were in I don't know what type of vehicle they were in, but they were in a, a, a and they were heavily armed. They were in body armor. They were firing at the, uh, the at the, police with, uh, with salt rifles, uh, you know, machine guns, uh, you know, whatever they had. I don't remember the like type of... They like
4: professional criminals.
3: Exactly, yeah. And, and the, and the gun war, the gun battle went right to the streets. And they actually, and I don't know if you can even call this commandeering, but the police found a civilian armored truck that they used as a, as a bulletproof barricade. And that's how they defeated these guys. They were able to walk up toward, you know, to them. Uh, eventually ended, you know, with them killing the, uh, the suspects, but not suspects really. These guys did it. I mean, yeah. they were the ones, but they, uh, the, the shootout ended very dramatically on the street, but it ended because they were able to find this civilian vehicle that was, uh, you know, again, bulletproof, armored vehicle. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you can call that commandeering or not. I mean, they borrowed it. It wasn't like they rushed up to somebody's door, you know, showed a badge. Get and, out of the truck and then chased after him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but it, what it did was this, this whole thing pointed to the need for better protection for police. And so I think it was in, like, six years later, in 2003, uh-huh. the force finally had an armored uh, SWAT truck. It was something like, the thing weighs 14 tons, Ben. Wow. So they realized the need for something like this. But, you know, so that one had a, a good ending, I guess, for the police. But... Um, you know, it, it just shows you that, like, it's so, so rare because, you know, mm-hmm. 16 years of the FBI, 23 years of the LAPD, yeah. 26 years of the LAPD, these people have never seen it happen.
4: And it used to happen more often. Uh, Old timers are able to recall the the frequency of commandeering and how it's sort of tapered off. What got me really interested in this topic initially, as we we're digging in, was the history of it. And you saw that article on Straight Dope, right, Scott? I did. And... There's a very there's a fascinating part here uh, where they talk about the legal history or precedent of commandeering p- property.
0: If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian, someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously, it's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water.
4: This is uh, according to our buddy Cecil over at Straight Dope. The Connecticut Supreme Court noted in a case called uh, State versus Floyd that the basic concept that every citizen can be compelled to assist in the pursuit or apprehension of suspected criminals has ancient Saxon origins, predating the Norman conquest, and derives from a time in which the public peace depended upon the ability of the populace to summon their neighbors uh, through the raising of human cries to come to their assistance when a crime had occurred. So people already are citing the, um, the precedent of stuff that goes back to the 13th century and so on. So this
3: is almost like, I mean, no, it's, I know it's a written law, but it's almost like a, uh, like a moral obri- obligation to help the police if you can because they're out to get the
4: bad guys, right? Right. Yes. And, uh, this, this idea of, um, this idea of commandeering a vehicle if it's in a state where this is legal under the circumstances and you don't do it, you know, you say, well, I don't care how many loaves of bread that guy stole. This is a Murcia Lago, my friend, and you are not driving it.
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, you'd have to pick and choose. I mean, I... Would the the police go for something like that? Would they go for a vehicle that was a uh, flat-out sports car after trying to catch somebody? Or would they go for something that's a little
4: more sturdy? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I imagine it's not going to go like it would in the
1: movies. I mean, just
3: imagine this. Like, let's say there's a fleeing fleeing bank robber. And and the the police officer enters the intersection, kind of takes a quick scan around, sees a pickup truck, you know, like an F-350 or whatever... Uh, and a sports car like, a, let's say, a Corvette or a Ferrari or something like that. There, which is he going to choose to chase the police officer or to chase the uh, the bank robber? Rather, is he going to choose the uh, the the F F three fifty is he going to choose the, the sports car? Now, of course, you can catch up to the car a lot quicker with the sports car, but is he going to have the ramming capability as the of the truck? I mean, right? F three fifty all you know, the way. There's all this stuff to to think about. I mean, yeah, I think they would, but you know, that also leads itself to you know. There was some question as to whether or not the vehicle would be, you know, would it have a full tank of gas when you do it? Yeah. Um, police vehicles are well maintained. They're very well maintained at mm. the end, of, practically at the end of every shift. They're, they're given the once over, you know, often anyways. Yeah. Um, if not once a week, they're very, very well maintained. You don't know what you're getting into if you jump into a, someone, you know, uh, not a pedestrian. What am I thinking of? A, a car, civilian a car? A civilian car. That's right. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's just they're, they're jumping into an unknown world at that point mm-hmm. and pursuing somebody at high speeds, maybe. Yeah. And uh, not exactly sure what's going to happen.
4: Right. And when we when we've been talking about this, uh, listeners, you probably noticed that we're talking a lot about local law enforcement. You know, we mentioned the FBI case in D.C., uh, but it's it's true that if your car is commandeered, um, then the person doing it, if, the, you know, if they're not a criminal, the person doing it is much more likely to be local, uh, like local sheriff deputy or local PD mm-hmm. because, uh, we have in our jurisdictions in the U.S., we have laws that allow local law enforcement to demand assistance from the public. These laws are sometimes known under a really cool name.
3: Yeah, that's pretty cool. And you know what I also found is that, and you may have more to say about that, Mm. but I also want to mention that uh, one of the FBI agents that that spoke up here in one of these articles from the L.A. Times said that uh, FBI agents tend to travel in packs. And it's less likely for them to require to commandeer a vehicle from a citizen. Yeah. yeah. They, they would be able to use one of their own vehicles or, or just jump in the back seat of another one and take off. But, you know, a local police officer may be traveling alone or maybe there's two people and one has already left and, you know, their car is suddenly stranded on the side of the road, but they need to help join this chase. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's more need for local authorities to do something like this. Right.
4: Even though it rarely happens. Even though it rarely happens. And, uh, what are the, Consequences if you don't do something like this. Well, mm-hmm. those, of course, can also change depending on where you are. We mentioned Connecticut, right? Going mm-hmm. back to that straight dope article, uh, failing to assist, uh, police officer on command counts as a class A misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. So your maximum penalty there is a $2,000 fine and a year in jail. Now, I think in practice, you're probably not going to get a year in jail for refusing to let somebody steal your car i don't
3: think so but that
4: fine would happen and you know police are professionals again this if an officer is asking for your vehicle to help stop a crime Mm -hmm. then we know a couple things immediately number one the situation is out of hand Mm -hmm. something really bad has gone down and number two uh, the officer themselves are in a time crunch. It's a it's not a leisurely thing at all.
3: Yeah, exactly. And no one, as far as the uh, the Snopes article is concerned, they said that no one has ever been tried successfully or otherwise for refusing to surrender a vehicle to the police in a situation like this. So if you did yeah. refuse that that vehicle, you've never been they've never been brought to court for something like that. Now, has it ever happened? Probably. Sure. I, I'm sure that's probably happened because someone's probably scared, you know, but, but typically what happens is someone comes to the, the door with a badge in hand, a police officer, and, you know, usually you obey what an officer says. I mean, and if it's a kind of an abrupt situation, they knock on the window, they open the door, you know, whatever it happens to be, yeah. and say, I need this vehicle, please get out quick. Uh, you would probably do that. I mean, it's just kind of an, an instinct. You just do that. Um, I don't think a lot of people would be, um, You know, aggressive towards the officer would be uh, defiant in any way and would say, you know, I I don't think so. Tell tell me my, uh, show me where it says that you can take my vehicle in the, uh, in in our local laws or whatever. I mean, no one would really ask for documentation on the spot or anything like that. I I think that people would just generally comply with something like
4: this. Yeah, there's a psychological aspect to that too. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, there have been some rulings that impose some strict limits on how this kind of government uh, commandeering a property uh, has to go down. But before we get to that,
0: if you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging So why wouldn't you go paper-tarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash paper
1: Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry.
2: Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: And now let's go back to the legal cases and check out some laws here. There's another legal case called United States versus Russell and I want to I want to read part of this finding to you.
3: All right, that sounds good. You got the legal angles on this one.
4: Yeah, yeah, I'm the residential legal beagle today. Uh all right, so they decided to do, they needed to define what constitutes an emergency. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we've all had this talk with a friend or family member at some point of what actually is an emergency, because people's ideas differ. Sure. You know? Uh, so – Here's what they said. Um, they said extraordinary and unforeseen occasions arise, however, beyond all doubt in cases of extreme necessity in time of war or of immediate and impending public danger in which private property may be impressed into the public service or may be seized and appropriated or even destroyed without the consent of the owner. And they say, but the public danger must be immediate, imminent, and impending and the emergency in the public service must be extreme and imperative so that it will not admit of delay or resort to any other source of supply. So really what they're saying, and I'm going to cut it short there, really what they're saying is that it can only be used as a last resort. Understood, and you know what? You mentioned
3: something important in there that was kind of uh, was kind of hidden in there. What's so that, that? kind of leads into the point that I want to make here. The, the last thing that I really want to say about this. Okay. And we're just talking about compensation. Now, uh, if, you, now if you have more that you want to add to that, please do. But I'd yeah. like to go to compensation at some point. So you want to do that? Let's now? Let's do it now. What, what right. do they?
4: What well, happens? Well, right? this is a
3: kind of a common question that goes around. Is that you know if if the police do commandeer my vehicle, you know what happens to those vehicles? I mean, you're in a you're in a high speed chase. Yeah. You know what happens to vehicles in a high speed chase? Boom. Yeah, yeah. They either get uh, they're Used to uh, execute the pit maneuver, right. or they're uh, they're smashed into a wall. They hit, you know, a vehicle that that comes out
4: of nowhere. You the know, high a speed, sign, whatever. possibly fatal game of bumper cars. Exactly,
3: it's it's very very dangerous. And of course, there's a lot of property damage that happens in a high speed chase. So, yeah. um, you know, of course, yes, they can they can take your vehicle to to aid in the capture of, of a criminal. But what 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 do they do? Is there any compensation for that? Now, if the vehicle's not damaged, it turns out. Um of course there's no compensation it's just like well you get a pat on the back for helping the authorities and they may then this is maybe they would give you like maybe a tank of gas they maybe would uh you know have the mayor of the town write you a letter um something like that you know it would be yeah. like the the police chief may say like you know I'd like you to come in and I'll give you this honorary badge as a uh you know, a deputy or whatever. You know that type of. That's thing. That's kind of cool. Well, that would be really cool. You'd, you know, that's kind of the common thought is that you know, like you make get a little fuel and a thank you note. I would but, take
4: keeping my car in driving shape, though. <laughs> I
3: would too. Yeah, that yeah. would be the better idea. Now, if it's totaled, Ben, uh-huh. if the car is totaled during this, or if there's damage, um, there's a chance that 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 they would give you like Blue Book value of it. I would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like the Kelly Blue Book, or they would offer you a um uh, a replacement vehicle of some type, I, right. I would think. And that's just, this is just, you know, some, a, a collaboration of different answers from all over the place. Okay? Yeah. So, so some of these are coming from police officers. Some of these are coming from uh, federal officers that are saying like, well, I've never really seen this happen, but here's what I think would happen. You know, the blue book value thing if it was totaled or they may pick up the cost of repairs and give you a rental until it's fixed. You know, yes. So so that you're not out of a vehicle. They don't they don't uh inconvenience you in any way. But I think that the uh the blue book value thing is probably what would happen. They would just scrap it at that point if it was right. really damaged.
4: Well I can I can help out with a little bit of this when it comes to the property, the mm-hmm. destroyer damage of property. Sure. Uh this is this is weird because it's a murky area in the law. Um that United States versus Russell court mm-hmm. case, sure. Supreme Court case, mm-hmm. it dates back to the Civil War, Scott. That's how long people have been trying to figure this out. No kidding. Yeah. So the actual claim was that three steamers were commandeered by the military during the Civil War. And so the, um, the court was way in this case of, you know, your private rights as an individual, the owner of these steamers versus the uh, public safety, you know, um, kind of an early national security argument since it was the Civil War well, that's very interesting yeah and so in this case the court said that uh, the military was obligated to make full restitution for this sacrifice
3: and I think that's what we' find in, in all these cases even modern cases that the, that the responsibility for the repairs or the the replacement goes upon the authorities that took the vehicle
4: right yeah and that you you as the person, the commandee or whatever, uh, the one who is being commandeered from, you are relatively immune to a suit. So, for instance, in, like, worst possible case scenario, let's say that your car has a belt that's about to snap. Uh, the police commandeer your vehicle because there's last resort situation, and, by gosh, it snaps. Yeah, mid chase. They're,
3: they're pushing the car harder than yeah. it probably
4: would be if you were driving it. Right, and so... Then maybe they get in an accident and they are injured. Well, you would not be, you would not be sued.
3: You'd not be liable for the
4: injury to the officer. Right. But,
3: and they would be liable for the damage to the vehicle. Well,
4: see, that's interesting because the Supreme Court still hasn't ruled totally on that in modern times. So this means that lower courts are deciding this Hmm. and sometimes they're reluctant to compensate.
3: And, and again, This happens so rarely.
4: It's it's just, it just doesn't happen.
3: I mean, you'll find that it's so rare. Maybe that's the reason that no one's really, uh, you know, shuffling their, well, they are shuffling their feet on this one, that no one's really jumping to, to change anything on this one quickly because it just doesn't happen often enough for it to really be an issue more than, let's say, uh, you know, once a year somewhere in the United States, it probably happens, you know, or or, I I don't really know the numbers, Ben. I'm just making that up, but, but going on some of these, uh, these interviews and very rare. Yeah, it's extremely rare. And for people to say, you know, I've, I've gone my whole career at this in this agency, and I have never, ever even heard of anything like this happening to any other officer. Of course, myself has never happened to, um, you know, you, you would think that it would just be more common than this, but it's not.
4: OK, Scott, before we close up the, the show here, I just want to note that this entire conversation reminds me of Grand Theft Auto 5. Really? Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's an extremely popular video game. You've heard of it, right?
3: I've heard of it, but I'm not a gamer.
4: Yeah, but and we've talked about maybe doing a podcast on the various cars in Grand Theft Auto V. Uh, so, listeners, you were probably thinking of this, too, if you're a game fan, when we're talking about commandeering vehicles, uh, because that's one of the things you do all the time as a criminal in that game. Uh, so let us know if you would like to hear more about Grand Theft Auto V cars, and let us know if you've had an experience would posse comitatas. Yeah, that would be interesting if if that would be extremely
3: rare I think. I mean, yeah. out, out of our select audience. Right. out of a uh, out of a practice that really never happens according to the authorities. Right. Has anybody in our audience ever had something like this happen or or similar? I mean, have they ever commandeered a boat on a lake to catch somebody that's, you know, that's escaping that way? Yeah. Um a plane I would think would be extremely rare. Right. Um I can almost see I can almost see an ATV situation happening. I can kind I of. I could, yeah, I a specialty vehicle. Yeah, something like uh, you know, a poacher in the in the in the forest or something like that. They they find and you know the uh, the park ranger finds somebody that's on an ATV and says, "I need this right now. I'll bring it right back. I promise. You know, hmm. I'll, I'll have it back to you within an hour or whatever." Right. Um, I could see something like that happening.
4: Oh, one thing we do need to say this. Is my my last thing to end on before we do listener mail. Okay. This I this might blow your mind. I don't know if you read this. I I don't know. Police officers are not the only government agents who can commandeer property. Really? Some jurisdictions allow firefighters to commandeer property.
3: Firefighters? No kidding. How does that work?
4: Uh, like, um, let me show you here from, again, this article on the street door was just amazing. Check this out for more information. It had, uh, it had this note here that the Martinsville, Virginia fire department's website has, uh, the following written in it. In pursuance of using horses for transportation, an ordinance was passed authorizing firemen to stop and commandeer any horse-drawn vehicle in the street and pull apparatus taken for public use. No kidding. Yeah, so...
3: That's uh, another one that goes back to probably the 1880s or something.
4: Right. And, it you know, it makes sense if you think about areas that are prone to wildfires, because that would be a clear public need very quickly. Yeah, no kidding. That's uh, that's pretty interesting. So this
3: goes, the commandeering goes way, way back, farther than we ever thought.
4: Yes, but if you are really into the idea of commandeering uh, vehicles from civilians, and that's the main reason you want to be a police officer, rethink your time before you go to the academy. Well, if you're
3: watching, you know, Twenty Four or any of these TV dramas that you know it happens weekly. Um, You know, you'd be excited by something like that. Plus movies, you know, we've, we've said that movies from the 80s, that's what it reminds us a lot of. But it still happens even through today. So, you know, this is yeah. something that's been around for a long, long time in popular culture. And uh, just in real life, find, we find out
4: that it just really doesn't happen all that often. It's very, very rare. Yeah, like the uh, car explosions. Yeah.
3: So I guess we find it's just like a movie cliche that we just see so often over and over again that it becomes part of our conscious that we think it really does happen in, in real life.
4: Well, you know what is really going to happen in real life, Scott? What's that? Some listener mail. Okay, we've got some stuff from uh, Facebook here today. So Thomas P. wrote in to say, I'm restoring a 1968 Ford Thunderbird with a 429 engine. I'm thinking of putting on an aftermarket EFI in place of the stock carburetor. There are many of these units out, but and they're all pretty much described as easy to install. Would this be a good topic of discussion for the podcast I haven't heard many folks saying they've installed one, so I'd be interested to hear your take.
3: Possibly switching over to electronic fuel injection, getting rid of the old carb.
4: Yeah. Hmm. End of an era, buddy.
3: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, uh, if you don't want to keep it stock, I guess that's that's one way to go. I think a lot of people have done this. I see I see those kits for sale all the time. Right. And yeah. He's right. They do. Uh, they they do, all say easy to install. They really do. Like uh, installs in one hour type of thing. Right. Uh, yeah. I bet. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I, I hope it goes well for him, though. But um, yeah, maybe a good topic. I mean, yeah. switch over from uh, I guess. Old school tech, you know the carb to you know the uh, the new school way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Kind of updating your classic—that's not a bad idea.
4: It's not a bad idea. We at did all. retro rods. We that did, was, but yeah. uh,
3: but this is like just one component within that. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Maybe maybe we'll get to that one.
4: Yeah, I don't know. Keep your keep your ears peeled, my friend, yeah, and, and thank you for writing to us.
3: And good luck with that project. That sounds pretty cool.
4: Oh yeah, it does sound like it's going to be fun. Yeah. Uh So we are going to head out today. We hope you enjoyed a little bit of myth busting on police commandeering cars and uh we would love to hear what you think about this sort of situation or if you just have some upcoming topics you'd like to cover in the show you can find us on carstuffshow.com the website we have you can find us on facebook and twitter or your CarStuff hsw and you can always send us an email directly we are carstuffdiscovery.com